Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Today, I'm here with my good friend, James Williams, um, a gentleman, I would say, who has a story like a, like a movie screenplay, <laughs> literally. I met uh, James actually online back in 2013 when he supported the Kickstarter project I was working on. And then I found his book. I read his book. It was super inspiring. And ever since we've been in touch, uh, James has been in Bulgaria a couple of times together with uh, Samudiva Masterminds being one of the of the top speakers at our events in Bulgaria. We've been engaged in a lot of different projects together, and it's always a pleasure to to bring back my brother from another mother. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. How are you doing, my brother? Good to see you again. You too, man. I'm doing great. You know, I know. Many people today are going through different struggles and things, but you know we've been touched uh, quite a bit these days. And and I told you already a few times, um, you know these times have been the biggest blessing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally these times have been the biggest blessing for me. It's been such a beautiful opportunity to to slow down and to really focus on what are the things that matter most to me, what are the things that I care most about, and to channel my energy and attention into those things. So it's been it's been a pleasure, brother. How about you? How how has it been so far for you? It, honestly, it's crazy that you say that. And I, I guess a little part of my flesh feel guilty for saying that this has been absolutely the best time of my life. But I think it's also show us that this is what Buddhism is talking about, you know, being in the present moment. And I think what we were able to do and what some other people was able to do is make the most of the situation. So by slowing down and being able to process that, man, this is just life. It is what it is. We're all of the opportunities. So it has truly been a blessing to me. And and it's, it's, like I said before, it's the best time of my life. I told people that 2020 was going to be the greatest year of my life. And it, it just means so much to me on so many levels. You know, 2020, a lot of people say it's the year of the rat, which is the year of new experiences. But it's also the year of metal, which metal is resilient, is strong, is determined. And I just turned 40. So it's like, uh, I just feel amazing, man. I feel like mind, body, and spirit, financially and in everything, I just feel like it's just been a great time for me. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same with me. I remember last year we visited um, the death of uh, Radha Patel, another mm-hmm. speaker from uh, Samudiva Masterminds. Uh, you know, lineup of speakers, and she was also a guest of my show previously. And we visited her and uh, her dad, uh, one of the most inspiring people I have ever met, Mansu Patel. And I still remember when we were having this walk in the forest and and at some point he stops and he says, slow down, Mm. eat up. And I'm like, wow, this this is so powerful, man. Slow down to speed up. Mm, slow down and speed up. That is powerful. 
That's powerful. And I, and I was like, and I, and I, and I was like, I, I, okay, I got it. I got it. I didn't get it, bro. <laughs> I was peeing up even more for the next few months. But fortunately, you know, things happen this way. So for you know, like I was kind of forced to to, to really slow down and and it gave me an opportunity to speed up. And it's funny, well, we already know Rada's an amazing person, but that makes sense now. And when you see slow down to speed up, when everything slowed down, it allowed me to see things more clearly. What do I need to change in my physical? What do I need to just change in my daily life to be more righteous, to be more, you know, truly in tune to where I can be a positive impact for other people? And I think that's what led me to say, you know what? I need to publish my own books and, and, and start doing things of that nature. I need to invest in the stock market. I need to just start doing other things. Cause what if I lose contracts or opportunities again, how am I going to make that extra stream of revenue? So it just make you think differently. But the only way I was able to think differently was by slowing down, but it sped up the process of James, this is what you got to do. So that, that is very profound that he was able to tell you that. And um, it, it connects and resonates with me in, in a very positive way. Yeah, absolutely, James. Why don't you, James, um, you know, already share at the beginning of our conversation that your your life story is more like, a, you know, taken from a, from a movie <laughs> screenplay. Why don't you share with, uh, with those of you who don't know much about you, you know, a little bit about your upbringing. And, and I'm specifically interested about you know, the moment when you decided, hey, I need to make a transformation. I need to make a change. And what happened afterwards? Well, I'm going to first start by saying I think everything is mental. I think a lot of times we get we get so caught up with the idea that this is my environment, but it's the mentality. It's, it's whatever environment you're growing in, you, you start developing that mindset. That's why you hear a lot of people say, I could tell you who a person is by the five people they associate with on, on a daily basis. So growing up, you know, my, my twin brother and my older brother and I, we, we basically, our real father decided to walk away. And it was a conversation we never had in our family. Um, so I was born James Cremel. And when that happened, something in, inside me was always chasing something. And I was chasing, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be liked. I wanted people to see me. And now that I'm looking back at the age of 40, I realized I just wanted my, my real father to, to love me because I realized when he walked away and we never had a conversation about it, something left. So I felt like I was always chasing it. So my mentality was, how can I be bigger than life? I'm, a, I'm, I'm not the tallest guy. How can I be the biggest of life and show people how powerful I am? So I found that with getting into fights and then I found that with acting out in school and I realized the kids that got in trouble was the kids that got attention. Either you're exceptionally smart or you got in trouble or you was a great athlete, you got attention. So I took that mentality when we was in Fall River, Massachusetts and I started fighting. And then when my, my stepfather, which is, I look at it as my father, when he separated from the military and we moved back to North Carolina, I sort of brought that mentality to that city. So it went to a whole nother level. So to make a long story short, I was selling drugs by the age of 12. I lost my virginity by the age of 12. I had my first kid at 16, right when I, a month after I turned 16. And I had my second kid when I turned 17. And a lot of people going to church, they, they deemed me as a, a bad seed, a kid that just would not succeed or do anything with life. So I had all of that in my mind and really believing at times that maybe I won't amount to anything but I was a great athlete. So with being a great athlete, I had an opportunity to play football in college. 
and I went to a little school called Methodist uh, College. It's now Methodist University. And being that I was a Division One recruit or a top athlete, I thought I was gonna have. I'm like, I'm at a Division Three school. I'm gonna come in and start. And it didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, I got depressed. And I went into this this uh, this uh, cascading down mental spiral to where I'm upset. And I was started hanging with guys that was bloods or associated with this gang. And I always had a gun. And I always I kept telling myself, I have to. I kill somebody. And I had visions and dreams of I'm going to kill somebody one day. And then one day it was in Durham. It was in uh, February 19, uh, 1999, almost shot somebody. And when that happened, I realized I don't know who this person is. I don't I don't know who this person is. I need to change. So the only thing I could think to do was do something drastic. So I joined the United States Air Force and I went in with a mindset that I'm not J-Rock. I'm not a football player. I'm not a thug. I need to really find out who I am. And it's been this long journey, you know, for 20 years you know, figuring out who I am. I, I just, one of my old friends sent a picture from uh, uh, 2020 and I had a red bandana on and I'm like, God knows, wow. I really used to, you know, be like this throwing up gang signs. So it's it's amazing to see where I am now, you know, the, where my vessel is, but knowing that my spirit has changed. So it was, it was a mental shift. I think everything is mental, everything. Tell me more about it, James. Everything is mental. What do you mean by that? How, how did changing your mental game and having a shift with your mindset help you to to create this crazy and exceptional personal transformation i think the, the very first time it started i used to be in love with tupac shakur loved him had all of his cds i'm talking underground cds everything and when i was trying to change i was just like i need to get rid of everything negative i got rid of uh movies like minister society juice anything that was negative and all of these rap CDs, and I just threw them out the car, and I just kept driving. And I said, I'm going to start listening to reggae, um, some gospel music, anything positive. I'm going to start watching funny movies so I could find this laughter. Like, people may think it's, it's, it's weird now, but I used to be a guy I wouldn't hug you. I didn't want to tell you I love you. I didn't want to shake. I, like, none of that. I just want to have this hard exterior when on the inside I was this, this soft little teddy bear that just wanted to hug people. So I had to find that true... Um, authentic version of myself. And I realized we hold on to our thoughts. You know, we hold on to the idea that, hey, this person is doing me wrong or they're getting over on me. And I had to realize that I don't care if somebody thinks they're getting over on me because I really believe, you know, if, if God is on my side, then it's more than the whole world against me. So why would I ever worry about what somebody is trying to do to me when the world has already prepared something great for me that nobody can take away from me. But I had to really, really believe that in my mind, that I was destined for greatness and that I'm, I'm on this earth for a purpose. And as long as I'm, I'm striving to be righteous, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. So I had to really shift my mind to really just all about positive things. And if something come up negative, I got to remove myself from that, that situation. You know, uh, when you mentioned uh, this, uh, it reminded me, Remember back in 2014, I was working for a video producer guy, Klaus, and uh, he has a mantra. His mantra was, assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Mm. And he'll keep it, keep repeating it again and again, of course, when we speak to customers and we have a communication with customers. And I think the customer wants this. No, no, no. Assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Call the customer. <laughs> and figure out what they really mean and how many times we assume that's what he means yes i feel like this and i feel angry because he meant to to step on me right 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and I would say this, man, because I, I really try to, the four agreements talk about it. And, and I really, really try to abide by the four agreements, be impeccable with my word. I don't always do that. And I think that's what people need to understand. They look at us and they say, oh man, these guys got it together. I, I can give the greatest advice, but I'm trying to also adhere to my advice all the time. And now am I able to get back to my, my center more than most people? Absolutely. But be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. I still assume. And um, don't take anything personally. I'm very good at not taking things personally. And do your best. I really, really try to do my best. But assumptions, you know, because we're taught, especially in a Western society, to assume, to be opinionated, to try to have an idea about something, especially as a researcher. What is your educated guess? So we always find ourselves assuming. But when we do that, like the saying say, we make an ass of ourselves. So it's best to just really remove ourselves and say, you know what, maybe it could be this way. But it's hard for people to do that because they really, even though they don't, they don't say it, they really believe they're God. What I believe is right. No, what you believe is not necessarily right. It doesn't matter how great you formulate it in your mind or you think it's accurate. It doesn't mean you're right. But it's so hard for people to break away from their own mental uh, uh, Olympics going on in their mind. But, it, you know, that's that's the biggest struggle with life. What's going on here? And talking about what's going on here, I actually want to talk about uh, mental toughness. And uh, I don't know the exact definition, but I think mental toughness is defined by the capability of an individual to go through challenges, threats, and struggles. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's really about what do you do when shit hits the fan? Yes, yes. And, Look, and it's, it's like you face something... And you don't turn and run, you know, it may stop you in your tracks a little bit, but you say, all right, I'm going to keep going. You know, and I tell people my mental toughness is this. They can say it's psychotic or whatever. I really believe this. If a plane is going down and I still got something left to do, I'm going to be the one person on that plane that survived. That sounds crazy, but that's just the way I think. I really feel like I'm here for a purpose. I really feel like that is something unique in me that is different from everybody else. And I got to share that with the world. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to press forward. It doesn't matter if I lose everything. It doesn't matter if people are trying to attack me and harm me. There is nothing that can stop me from moving forward. I really feel like I'm unstoppable. I really feel like as long as I got breath, that is nothing nobody can do to stop what I'm put on this earth to do. And to me, that is the mental fortitude that I need in order to continuously train my body. You know, um, when, it, when I was running yesterday, you know, it was the first time I ran really in 12 months, I mean, 12 weeks since the hip replacement and it, and it hurt. And I was like, James, what, what you going to do? You're going to complain about it. Like, these are the conversations I'm having with myself. You're going to complain about it or you're going to keep running. And, and my flesh is like, yo, stop. And then my spirit is like, dude, you, I, I control you. Get your ass up and run. So I started running more. And then what I started noticing is the more I ran, the more my body started getting used to it, the more I started getting in the flow. And that's what life is. The more life kick your ass, you get up and you say, okay, let's do it. Let's rock. And, and the more you keep getting up, the more the world just say, you know what? I got to capitulate to what it is that you're trying to do. I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to let you have what it is that you want to have, James. And that's what I think life is, man. Just keep running. Just keep going. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, everybody has a different story. Everybody's is coming from a different place and going a different place. And, you know, 
you might argue some people have it easier or not or whatever, but at the end of the day, what defines where you're going to be and, and what your experience is going to be is how you're going to respond Absolutely. to whatever life is throwing at you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and most people respond with being victims. And I've been there. You know, uh, well, it's because of my environment or it's because of the teacher or it's because they said this or they did that. Nah, it's because of me. Everything I've done, I own. You know, um, I haven't been the greatest person at times in, in friendships, haven't been the greatest husband at times, haven't been the greatest father. Hey, it is what it is. But this is the thing. Once you're aware of it and you know that, you can always change. But when you don't see it, you just continue to go into the sunken place and you continue to be the victim and you continue to be poor me, poor me, these people are, nah, it's you. Because we decide to accept or we decide to say, this is who I am and we have a choice. Are we gonna move and, and make wiser decisions? Are we gonna continue to allow ourselves to be in this situation that harm us, that make us feel sad? So at the end of the day, it's still our choice. And that's what I realized. Every decision I make is my choice. And I think, I think all these things are really, really useful. And I think in the situation in which the world is right now, we were having a discussion just before the call. A lot of people are very anxious, they're stressed. Some, some people are actually experiencing a lot of you know, difficulties with you know, health uh, issues with this virus. And um, you know, some, some of your relatives might, might die, right? Yeah. And, and for many people talking about business, Many people are struggling with figuring out how to do the numbers and where should we go next and so on. And I love what you talk about taking ownership. How could, like, let's make it really practical for those people who are watching. How could somebody start developing this mindset of taking ownership in any situation? So you can look at it and, and, and I'm not, and we're not going to belittle, you know, some people really are struggling, you know, financially. Some people have been impacted by this disease and things of that nature. And, and I think, I think the worst thing that happened to a lot of people, and, and I love God, I love, um, you know, being positive, but I think people think, well, you know, James is this, uh, check your life, be limitless God. James is this guy that believe in God, but nothing bad is ever going to happen. I think we need to reframe that. What is bad? You know, is dying really bad? No, it's not. I mean, that's just a part of life. Um, if I get sick, is that bad? Why not me? Why do it got to be somebody else? So I think we need to really reframe how we look at life. And I think if I lose money or I go into debt, is that bad? I've been in debt. I've been in debt of 80000 to to hundred and some thousand dollars. Was that a bad situation? No, it actually made me more diligent now that I have money. But it also taught me if I get myself in this situation, now I know how to get out of it. So I think the first thing we need to do is reframe the way we look at things. And then I needed, we need to start taking things practically. So when, when all of a sudden the COVID happened or coronavirus happened, I wasn't able to go to gym, but I had just had hip replacement. So to me, I, I felt like I needed to go to gym. But now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I didn't because maybe I would have been more prone to diseases because I got sick afterwards. So now looking at it, it actually ended up being a great thing. But what am I able to do to still keep my weight under control and to, um, you know, um, and all of these things, especially being older and eating. And so I had to be more mindful of what it was that I was eating. Was it some days that I ate bad? Yes. But the days I ate bad, then maybe I need to fast. So maybe I need to do a little bit more intermittent fasting. I need to drink more water. I need to get out and walk. 
I, I used to could not stand walking. But once I started walking, I started seeing the beauty in just being able to listen to the birds, you know, listen to the cars crank up, you know, um, listening to my feet hit the pavement and being very mindful in those situations. So it became something very beautiful. So what we really need to do is be grateful for the situation we're in. When I did get sick, I got sick and I had to go to the hospital because I broke out and um, doctors didn't know what was wrong at first. But I was really able to be grateful for that because my head looked distorted. I looked funny, but I was like, yo, I still love who I am. Like, I love me. Like, I really, really love who I am. It doesn't matter that my face looked funny. It doesn't matter that I got these blotches. So I shared the pictures with people on um, Facebook and Instagram because I wanted them to see that. It doesn't matter if I have abs. It doesn't matter if I have flabs. It doesn't matter if I look this way. I'm happy with who I am. And, and it made me realize that we can even share so-called bad situation with people to let them know that it's okay. It's okay that you're in this situation. So be grateful for whatever is happening. And that's how we're able to find peace and joy with it. So that's what I was able to do. Every little thing that happened, even if it wasn't so-called good or bad, I just was able to be grateful for that opportunity to be able to live and experience it. I love what you say about, you know, focusing on the things that are within your control and shifting your focus in this direction. And actually, ever since this, uh, you know, pandemic happened, uh, I came back to my hometown. So to keep myself in a in a positive state, every morning I go for a mountain hike, right? Uh, very intensive mountain hike. You hear the birds. You know, you start the day in a really positive way. And this morning I meet a friend of mine. <laughs> I haven't met him for 10 years. Wow. And, and we are walking down and we had the same conversation. And, and he, he just shared with me this story, right? He, he went to, to his office and somebody gave, gave him a jar of uh, homemade, uh, not homemade, but like, you know, honey. And, and of course, what happened? <laughs> he was looking at something. He, he dropped the jar wow. and in the office, you know, the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, but I have this mantra. And ever, every time something, uh, you know, like this happens, I just tell myself with a big smile, I, I won't allow myself to be angry. And he puts a big smile. I love that. I love that. And the I moment he said that, just, just let, me, let me finish the story. The moment he says that, he's like, took me one second in anger. I shift my perspective. I went on. You know, I, I spent 10 minutes listening to a podcast, cleaning the, the you know, the, the stuff. And weirdly, two hours later, a friend of his, uh, him calls him. And he says, hey, dude, let's, uh, let's go to my uncle's place. His uncle is, is uh, taking care of bees. And he's like, hey, would you like to get a jar of honey? And he's like, this is, this is, the, this is the universe, man. It, like nothing in the universe is lost. Like it's like when you, when you are in abundance mindset, like you just live in joy, man. Let's just live in happiness, you know? Um, so that is so beautiful. That is so and beautiful. And it's all about breaking the pattern. Absolutely. Because, look, your mind is old. Your mind is, you know, thousands and millions of years old, right? I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but yeah. you know, it it's trying to save you and protect you and make you survive. It's not really wired for the environment we're in. There's no, you know, polar bears running after you and like. Like your Wi-Fi is low and you're like angry. Like, what, what's the point? You know, my Wi-Fi speed is too, you know, like, you're like come on. Right. <laughs> and, and to me, it's like thinking about what he said. When you live in abundance, 
you never lose anything. You never, it's like it come right back to you. You can look at the Bible. You can look at the Torah. You can look at ancient philosophy. It keeps talking about how people lose things, but as long as they continue to walk in righteousness and with this peace, it comes right back to you. The beautiful thing about the Buddha is he always have this slight smile because it just relaxes you. It make you feel at peace with whatever the situation is. You know, um, and you just think about like, everything is glorious. It, it, it really is. When you really sit there and think about it, like I think about some situations that, that I have going on in my life that some people would be frustrated with. And, and normally I would be frustrated with it. I just have this little calm resolve that, <laughs> yo, this, this is cool, man. This too will pass. And, and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying what's going on even though it is what it is. So I realized that you gotta find a way to smile, find a way to be grateful, find a way to, and not even wanting something back, just realize that it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen. It really, when you speak about Buddha, when you talk about, you know, acceptance, it really brings me back to a couple of years ago when I did a Vipassana 10 day silent meditation retreat. Mm. And it really shifted my perspective about perspective about how how I see the whole world and all my belief system. And I know it's a very in-depth philosophy that you get uh, introduced into. And you're not allowed to speak for ten days. You're not allowed to uh, to check your phone, to read, to to see anybody, to to look anybody in the eyes, like anything. You're just on your own. You meditate for. 10 or 11 hours a day with small breaks. And then you're exposed to the philosophy. It's a Buddhist, uh, you know, teachings. Oh and the main thing, the main thing around this is how do we get rid of all the, all the suffering? Mm. And suffering in this philosophy comes from things you're, you don't like and you're trying to avoid them. And like, and things that you don't have and you try to have them, you're craving them. And, and, and it teaches you in a very practical way how to, how to kind of accept it and to bring yourself back to, you know, to balance and equanimity in the moments when you feel these cravings and aversions. And it's just so powerful. And I love, um, just before we started this conversation, um, we, had a, we had a discussion about um, acceptance. Mm. And you showed me the book you're reading right now. How important is acceptance? I, I think acceptance is, it's the start, you know? So in the book, it's called Radical Acceptance. And they talk about radical, the, the Latin root of it is radix, which means going back to the origin. So when you look at radical acceptance, you're going back to the origin of the problem or the situation. You know, so when we say, well, what are you accepting if, if you got a loved one that's so-called treating you unkindly. Well, for one, that's your perspective. You know, um, maybe they think they're treating you fairly. So by radically accepting the situation, you just say, okay, so what happened to me? This person said this. And then when you just start, for me, when I start going into that moment, I'm like, why am I upset? Like, what's really bothering me? And maybe it's what they said, but a lot of times it's something deeper. You know, maybe they said, this is who you are, Maybe that is who I think I am and I'm trying to disassociate myself from it. Or maybe it's not who I am and I'm like, they don't see me, they don't recognize me. So you don't feel good enough. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel valued. 
And what I realize is when you start accepting where you are and you start filling that hole with your own love, you realize that it doesn't matter what somebody think about you. It's their opinion. There's 7 billion different opinions in this world. So it doesn't matter if it doesn't align with what you believe about yourself. As long as you truly have these internal uh, dialogues or conversations with yourself and you feel great about yourself and you love yourself, that's where the power of radical acceptance come in. You just realize that this is the situation and you wish and wish the other person well and you send them unconditional love anyway. You know, even if they are trying to so-called hurt you, if you don't allow yourself to be hurt, it's nothing they can do to harm you. But you got to accept yourself first. And that's what radical acceptance is to me. Absolutely love it. And I think it's a, it's a first step for, um, you know, any kind of success is to start with acceptance. But at the same time, it shouldn't go to the opposite extreme where, you know, um, we had a conversation in one of our mastermind calls, if you remember, a few weeks ago. And we were discussing um, this. Uh, there was a podcast with uh, Tim Ferriss and Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And they had this conversation and discussion. I'm really curious to hear your take on it. Um, because many people, I mean, there's this, uh, we want to be successful and we want to be fulfilled at the same time, right? Yes. Successful, I mean, in terms of material terms, achieving goals, you know, moving forward, uh, producing results. At the same time, it doesn't come at the expense of, uh, of being happy, being in the moment. Yeah. So the question they, they asked was, how can you be high achiever? without being complacent Mm. so how can you be a high achiever without being complacent so to me all right so i started uh, i guess um adopting the whole mantra of no expectations you know so even with tenure um i remember when when i started acting i heard a lot of professors or some professors come to me and say well, I wouldn't be really acting or I really wouldn't be doing these speaking engagements or this because you need to focus on tenure. And I was like, man, it's cool. It'd be cool to make tenure. And I, I love doing what I do. I love University of Tennessee. But man, I really love acting. I really feel like the world, you know, need to see me do this. I really believe I'm, uh, I'm limitless. I could do it all. And I feel like I supposed to go around the world and speak to other people. So a silent question came to myself, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to do it all. You know, I'm just going to do the best that I can do and whatever happens, happens. And I, and I came to the idea of this. If I'm giving you the best that I have at University of Tennessee, I'm giving the best at acting, I'm giving the best at speaking, and the world decides that you're not going to get tenure at University of Tennessee, it was meant to happen but I'm going to do what I got to do. And that's what the mindset became. So it wasn't about the expect, expectation of making tenure or getting promoted. Like I said, of course, in my flesh, that is nice. And that is something that you would hope to achieve, but it wasn't a goal of mine. It wasn't a goal of mine to um, say, I want to do, you know, 20 shows. I just wanted to act. I just want to be a part of, you know, know what it feel like. I wanted to go around the world and spread this message that I think God has burning deep inside me with the world. You know, so if that lead me to Bulgaria, lead me to um, Seoul, Korea, lead me to China, so be it. Let's do it. I got to get this out. So that became my mindset. What do I need to do in order to fulfill why I think I'm on this earth 
So I was able to achieve a lot of those expectations, but it wasn't something that sort of drove me. My inspiration just to live and to be limitless is what drove me, but it allowed me to accomplish a lot, a lot of these things along the way. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think on the one side it comes, you know, again, the, you know, setting your goals and, and really dreaming big. Like I have numerous examples to say when you set a, a goal or a vision that's bigger than yourself, how much further you go and how much, how many more people you meet on the road. And it's just exceptional. And, and I think the, the, the real art and mastery comes into, you know, being this driven person. And many people are a lot more naturally driven than others. And there's other people that are naturally more, you know, relaxed and in the moment than others. So, so finding this, your own kind of balance into, you know, I'm going to be achieving stuff, but it's not going to come at the expense of damaging myself. And, and I'll give you a promise. So a lot of times what we're talking about is laissez-faire. We'll say, oh, the leader is kind of like, oh, they're laid back. And a prime example, what's going on right now, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Michael Jordan is aggressive. I'm in your face. I'm the best. I'm this. I'm that. Where LeBron James is, I want to give love. I want to get everybody involved. But he's still winning. He's still accomplishing things. But some people would take Jordan because it seemed like, well, we got this bad leader and this is the way it got to be. And I don't believe that. So I think a lot of times we look at people as laid back and we say they're complacent. I don't think they're complacent. I just think they're using the love approach or the more positive approach that a lot of people in our society is just not used to. They think you got to be negative. You got to be tough. I got to cuss you out and I got to do these things. And I'm a bad I'm a bad leader. You know, the Steve Jobs. I don't, I don't believe that's necessarily the case. And I think what we're going to start finding out more as we continue to um, um, evolve as a society, that love is the way. Unconditional love is truly the way, and it's the way to have abundance. So I think a lot of times we look at people as loving and as, you know, just open and receptive and vulnerable as complacent. And I don't think that necessarily means you're complacent. I think you can still achieve a lot of things being that way. Talk to me about leadership and empathy. You know, like these days, you, you mentioned Steve Jobs has been a role model for many people. He achieved a lot of things, but also at the expense of, you know, treating people really badly. And and there has been in the, the last decade some sort of like a movement that's leaning towards promoting and embracing the softer values. But how important it is to lead with empathy in the 2020 COVID situation? Well, I think it's very important. And I, and I say this first, there are four things that people say really um, distinguish you as a leader. And that is uh, forward looking. So you got to have a vision. You got to be inspiring. Um, you have to be competent. And you have to sort of like encourage the heart. These are sort of the things that, that people look at. So what and the reason why I say that is because when you when you have empathy, you really try to put yourself in other people's shoes and, and try to understand where they're coming from. I don't really think you can lead somebody if you don't know them. And I think that's what empathy is. You're, you're getting to know your people. I remember when I was at Stop Building Supply, they hired me, I was responsible for 61 employees and I didn't know anything about making doors. I knew absolutely nothing. So, and they're looking at me, I came in in a suit and it's um, like 115 degrees in the warehouse and they're looking at me like I'm a fool and I'm starting to feel like I'm a fool and they're like, and I said, look, the only reason why they hired me is because I have a master's degree. 
I said, but you all are the superstars. I said, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to get to figure out or learn everything about your jobs before I say anything. So what I did was I would come in and try to get to know people. And it was this one lady and I say her name is Mary. She um she really didn't like me for whatever reason. But I had to try to figure out what is it that this lady really care about? And I saw this little cute picture of this kid. And I said, man, that is a really handsome young fellow right there. I, I, I just think this guy is, man, that's a cute guy. Who is who, who is this kid? And she, that's my son. And I was like, man, well, wow. I see where he got his looks from. You know, you and, and I saw a little smile in her face. And I asked her, I said, what does your son do? And she said he plays soccer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. And she told me where he plays soccer at, Gillette. And my, my son at the time was playing soccer there. And I was like, when is, when is this game? So I went and I stepped over to the field when he was playing. And I said, oh, man, your, your kid, he is amazing. And I said, what is his name? Johnny. Oh, man, he is he's doing a phenomenal job. And her face just lit up. So when we came back to work on that Monday, I walked up to her and I said, so how did Johnny end up finishing the game? And she just happy. And what I realized was I got to know a little bit about who she was and where she came from. And by starting there, now I can build a working relationship. But if you don't know who a person is or you don't understand where they come from, I think it's impossible to really inspire them to want to follow you. And I think as leaders, if we don't have people that's willing to follow, and I heard somebody say it before, if people are not willing to follow you, once your title is removed, you never was a leader. So you just had authoritative power. But the true, true leaders have influential power. Are people willing to follow you even when you have no title or you have nothing to give them? So, but hope. And I think as leaders, you want to try to inspire hope into your people. So I think that's why empathy is so important. How do you build this leadership qualities? Like, like practically somebody is listening to this right now and they want to become a better leader. What are some practical step-by-step -step tools, things that you can offer people, you know, in terms of, you know, small things to, to... I, I, two things. I would say the first thing is you got to find a way to lead yourself. You know, if you're going to try to teach, talk to somebody about finances, but your finances are not good to me, then it doesn't make you, uh, you're not modeling the way you're not a competent leader. Um, if you're going to try to tell somebody about how to take care of their body, how to eat right, but you're not doing it. So I think you got to first become credible. Um, I think the second thing is you want to practice listening. You know, so when you have a meal, are you just listening? Sometimes just sit in solitude and just listen to other people. You know, are you really listening to them? Are you really understanding them? And I think the more you practice these things, it'll help you become a better leader. But I think you got to first lead yourself and then work on the ability to really listen, you know, and not listening to um, be understood, but listening to understand the other individuals. I think that will help make you a better leader. I love it, man. I love it. And I think it's a great time. You know, this whole pandemic, it's a great opportunity for us to actually, you know, take a step back and, and think about what are some of the qualities we can develop as leaders that will help us in the future as well. Uh, and you mentioned the uh, beginning of our talk, uh, you know, check your life, your mantra. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know more about it, man. You know, tell us, tell our audience, what is it? What does it mean to check your life? So in Buddhism, the biggest thing they say is when you find yourself um, in, in anxiety ridden or angry, take a deep breath. So check your life is, is it, it refocuses you. It make you check your life. Be limitless. And when you come out of that breath, be limitless. What does be limitless mean? 
It means do what you was put on this earth to do. And that means to exude excellence, do excellence with everything you do. So I have this concept that I tie to it called and. And is when something bad happened and. So awareness, no judgment, do your best. Check your life, be limitless. And then what I like to say to myself is today is a glorious day. And not just a good day, it's a glorious day. And for 86,400 seconds, I will give my excellence and my best until I'm laid to rest. I'm abundantly blessed and never stressed. God bless. So to me, it's like when you say these things, now you're starting to walk with this positive affirmation that this is who I am. I'm love. I'm unconditional love. I'm unconditional friendliness. I'm going to be in this blessful, peaceful state. And it's joy, peace, love. And as long as you can stay in that place, to me, you have really checked your life and you're able to walk in this. Now, does it mean that you're going to be just this uh, this uh, peaceful being, sensual being every single moment of the day? No. But the more that you can check your life and be limitless, the more that you can get into that rhythm and start doing it. And what you're trying to do is today, I'm better than what I was yesterday. So that's what it means to be better than your best. How great were you yesterday? Be better today. And it's just constantly getting better and better and better. So then in the next year or the next two years or the next five years, you completely are different from that person that you was five years ago. And that is the goal. And that's why I say I want radical improvement in my life every single day. How often do you do you tell to yourself this uh, this mantra? Man, every look, when I wake up, I sit on the side of the bed and I, you know, and I'm not going to lie, you know, a little bit of vanity. I look, you know, look at my, my core. I'm like, oh, my abs are there today. I'm good. So uh, and then I and then I literally sit there and I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful for the ability to breathe. You know, if you ever been to a hospital and see a little kid struggling to breathe, man, it is it is something that will humble you. And my parents did a great job of letting us go and see kids, you know, when we was younger, you know, kids that are struggling with cancer or, you know, leukemia, you know, and things of that nature. So I was very humbled by that. So just being able to breathe, it, it allowed me to say, you know, man, I'm grateful. And then I, I, I have fingers, you know, I played with a guy with no arm, you know, and I was amazed that he was able to catch the football with one arm. So I'm grateful for the ability to have my hands, to have my liberties, my freedoms. I'm not in a prison cell. So I find gratefulness. And then I say, today is a glorious day. I say it every single day. And I say today, you know, God, it could be our last ride. And if I die today, let's make the most of it. You know, let me try to make sure I find as many moments as possible where I have joy in my life because today could be my last day. And one day it will be my last day. So I try to make sure that I'm trying to get the most out of it. So I do it every day. And, and throughout the day, I say, check your life, be limitless. I say it constantly throughout the day. Man, I got to say, I'm super impressed by your performance. Like uh, seeing you from the from the outside and, you know, being, uh, being a friend of yours for now, I don't know, six, seven years. Yeah. And, you know, you're a professional actor. You are, uh, you just got your uh, promotion in the university. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. You. Professor. Um, you are doing all these leadership trainings. You are just like, okay, you have the Hebrew bracelet, but you have this <laughs> super ripped and like, you know, a good looking guy. You have four kids and a beautiful family. And it's like, man, this is just, I'm a productive guy, but you know, this guy inspires me, man. And I think people look at you, people look at your pictures and, you know, the things you post and, and, and some people might, might get it wrong that it kind of, you know, came dropped from the sky to you. Right. But I'm, I'm actually curious if you can share and, and, you know, one thing that impressed me last year was that you, you set yourself this, this kind of challenge that you need to do a hundred pull-ups a day. 
Yeah. And then yeah. you posted, uh, I don't know, several months later that, you know, you did 20,000 by then or something. I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is consistency, you know, people think it's yeah. just about, you know, doing it once, but can you share with, with the audience, with me, what are your habits? What are the things that you do on a day-to-day basis to keep your mind, body, and spirit in the, in the right place? And story, you, you bring up a good question. I, I mean, uh, because a lot of times we look at a lot of people, you know, and we say, man, they got it easy. They're rich. They're doing this. No, nah, they work. They earned it. You know, and it's, it goes back to the, the old saying that a lot or the old adage that a lot of people say, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. But you got to create consistent, healthy patterns of behavior. So for me, I wake up and it's easy for me to work out on an empty stomach. So I got to work out. And then I set little goals for myself. I'm going to do at least 200 push-ups a day. So 200 push-ups is easily, they could turn into 500 push-ups. You know, I'm going to do 100 pull-ups a day. So how do you do that? I do um, 10 sets of 10. You know, so people, oh, 100 pull-ups, that's a lot. Yeah, but if you break it down to 10 sets of 10 throughout the day, you have a lot of time to do that. And then you would say, well, I got a lot of other things to do. You have about wake, um, awaken hours within a day. We have about 14 to 15 hours. Majority of the day, we don't spend it productively. So when you start breaking it down, you say, okay, I do this. I do my 100 pull-ups. I do my 200 um, push-ups. I do a minute plank. Um, I could do some air squats. I could do a little bit of walking. I could do at least 15,000 steps. So when you start breaking it down and you say, all right, this is what I'm going to do by this time. So I like to say, I'm going to read. You know, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to listen to something spiritual. I may listen to Muji. I may listen to Eckhart Tolle. I may listen to some preachers or I may um, read something spiritual. But I say, this is what I'm going to do every day. It got to be mind, body, and spirit. Every single day when I get up in the morning, I got to do this. So I create a schedule, you know, and, and I think if people wake up and say, you know, well, what is the first thing you do? Most people, they, they cut on their phone. So that's where your attention is. You know, I keep my phone on silent. I keep my phone now in a common room, so I'm not constantly on it. So when I come back, now I got to do a lot, to, you know, to respond to people or things of that nature. But you got to do whatever it takes to allow yourself to be the best in those areas. And, and I want to have the best body. I want to have the sharpest mind. And I want to have the, the strongest spirit to where whatever happens to me, because something bad is somebody's going to die in your life. So um, you may lose a job. You may... I want to make sure that spiritually, I'm so spiritually grounded that whatever I lose, whatever happened, I can get up and life is going to keep going on because you got to prepare for the war. We're all at war. It's a mental warfare that this world is designed to try to kick our ass. So my job is to make sure that I'm prepared to be the toughest individual that whenever something happened, I'm going to be able to bounce back from that. So I, I try to make sure I don't drink anymore. I try to make sure I take care of my body to where if an illness or an outbreak occur, I'm the healthiest that I possibly can be. So if I get it, it was meant for me to get it. And that's just my mindset. And I think you just got to have that, you know, that, um, that, that toughness about you that I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Nothing is going to stop me. That's just the way I feel. I love it, man. I, mean, I love it because I think really like a lot of people are thinking, you know, things just come easy. Like it's just like this whole thing from, uh, I think Zig Ziglar said it, uh, that, you know, motivation is like taking a shower. You know, you got to do it daily, man. You got to do it daily. 
Look, look, if you're going to take, if you're going to work out, it's like brushing your teeth. I'm not going out in the public. I haven't brushed my teeth. I'm brushing. My, look, I'm going to take care of my body. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care if people say you work out too much. Well, that's why I have the body I have. I don't care. I don't care if people say you read too much. Well, that's because that's, I think the way I think I'm getting the most out of the body that God gave me and people should be really concerned by God chose this body, this vessel for you. And you're not willing to get the most out of it, but yet you're going to look down on somebody else for trying to get the most out of a body that is not even ours. Like this, we're borrowing this. My spirit is borrowing this vessel. So why am I not trying to get the most out of it while I'm here on this earth? That doesn't even make sense to me when we all have a limited amount of time. So to me, for everybody that's looking like, oh, well, he, he's doing too much or that really what is happening is people are seeing people work so hard. They're not willing to do it. And they say, ah, oh, well, it's easy or they want to make excuses because they're not willing to go there. And that is the truth. Most people are not willing to put in the work to get to where they want to get to. I'm willing to do that every day. And that's the difference. Yeah, it takes takes sometimes, you know, like this overnight success, it takes years and years and years of, of putting in your work, getting better, asking for feedback, making Absolutely. it better, doing it over and over again, all these hours that nobody sees, all this sweating. I mean, even looking at Michael Jordan, and like uh, you did an what? example, but I mean, the guy was working. I he mean, the best of the best of like, he's been working and he's been pushing everybody else to, to you know, to get to the same place. So it's... Uh, you know, you gotta dream big, you gotta be, but you gotta work, you gotta put the effort, man. If you Absolutely. wanna be there, you gotta put the effort. Absolutely. James, it's been, it's been such a tremendous pleasure as always to connect with you right now. Rada just said hello. Uh, she's she's holding a little sheep. I love I it, it's so cute. It's like she's holding a <laughs> Yes, I love it. So, uh, James, where can people find you online if they wanna connect, if they wanna, you know, listen to your inspiration motivation and and so on so you can you can connect to all of my social media mediums um by going to www.unmaskedytp.com um the handle that i use is unmaskedytp and that stands for unmask your true potential so if you want to follow videos on youtube um i put up videos on instagram uh, linkedin facebook you can find me that way and it, hey, I would love to interact with you. You have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask me. I would definitely answer them for you. And I, and I really, I'm appreciative to you, Stoyan. I'm appreciative to everybody that decided to take the time to listen to this um, talk. So thank you. And you all are amazing people. And I believe that all of you are limitless. So check your life and be limitless on a day-to-day -day basis, a second-to-second -second basis. So just keep being better than your best. And Rada is just uh, wrapping it up with saying amazing as always. <laughs> Rada, you are amazing as always. And and what your father said, what Stoyan just told me, what your father said is absolutely phenomenal. Slow down to speed up. I think that is beautiful. And I understand where your intellect and your powerful uh, wisdom come from. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performance and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyanko.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.